Okay, we're good. How's it going? How's your day going, dude? Day's good. <clears throat> I had kind of a the last few days I've actually been stuck in meetings all the time, which is something I've tried to avoid my whole life. And um been in a lot of a lot of meetings. And uh I'm finding that everything I've said about meetings my whole career is true. And I've been <laughs> it's all been confirmed. <laughs> I've no time so to go all these yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay up late. All these things I have to do now because I'm not able to do any work during the day. Yeah. Were these product meetings or something else? Uh, no, I, I did. Um, I'm helping this. I'm sort of an uh, advisor at this one company, and I had to do some stuff with them yesterday. This morning I had um, a meeting with some people about some product stuff, and then I had a meeting with some people about company business stuff. And then I have, uh, I have to, after this call, I have to meet with someone about some design stuff and then just stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I call, I, call four with someone else. And anyway, yeah. I'm with you, man. Like I avoid meetings like they're diseases, you know, like I, I cannot stand being in meetings. Um, so th something interesting happened though this week, Lynette has been, in, not forcing us, but encouraging us. We've, you know, we, we do these releases, you know, every three weeks and like, we've got, you know, like a, we've got like a, a, you know, a board of all of the stuff that we're trying to plan and every three weeks, like what we're trying to get done. And she gets us together for, I don't know, a little under an hour once every few weeks or whatever. And I don't, I don't, again, don't like the meeting. I, I'm bored at it, but at the end of it, that meeting, I'm actually like, Oh, I'm glad we did this. I finally know like what everybody's doing. And there's just, there's something about like that one meeting. I don't know. Maybe it's because we don't do many meetings and I like avoid all of them at the one meeting I'm okay with or something, but it's, it's, um, yeah, I don't encourage meetings, but every now and then they're necessary. And so well, that one seems to have a very clear purpose. And that's, I it think does. Yeah. Is that it's disseminating information that seemingly you couldn't disseminate any other way, I suppose, or something. I don't know, but it feels it feels like it needs to happen. It should be part of your day every few weeks. That's fair. But like the whole thing where like you look at your schedule and it's blocked off all day long with stuff. That's a killer. If you want, it's a killer. If you want to get other things done, like there's a, there's a couple, I've been trying to write these three articles. Um, I'm trying to put together another page or two on the uh, marketing side for Basecamp three. Um, I just like, I start them and then I just get distracted by something else and I don't get back to them. And then four days go by and I feel like I've done nothing and it's like weird. So anyway, whatever is what it is. I get it though. Um, it's interesting. I was talking to another company this morning about some stuff and um, I'm not going to say who it was, but, um, and one of their big um, challenges is, um, and their product is awesome. And um, totally different industry than, than ours. Um, but the pro we're just talking about product stuff. And their biggest challenge is like fear and anxiety around um, uh, customers, customers fear and anxiety around switching to something new. And it's like, it's so interesting because I feel like I'm starting to feel that helping to reduce, because you can't really ever eliminate it necessarily, but reduce fear and anxiety is like the number one feature your product should have. Like that should be, that is the biggest challenge really is overcoming habits that people already have and the fear and anxiety of change that like, how do you help someone get over that hurdle? It, Cause you have to have, you have to be pushing 
hard enough to counteract those two forces to make someone to actually get someone to, to change. And it's, it's really hard. And anyway, their product is so good. Their team is so good and everything. And like their product is actually clearly better than anything else out there. Yet it's not even about the product. It's more like, Oh, I, it's like the customer's like, but what if, and uh, I, you know, what happens if, and I, I'm not sure when's the right time to do this. And it's all that stuff. And it's just such a great reminder that, that's really what's on people's minds more than like, can it do this or can it do that? Like you can say yes or no. Those aren't the deal breakers. The real deal breakers are like, can you get over someone's habits or help them get over their habits and help them get over the fear of an anxiety of change? Anyway, just like I've observed this over and over and over and I observe it in our own stuff. <clears throat> and it's still something that you don't really pay enough attention to, but it's so important. Yeah. I, um, and, and there's other levels of that too. Like I, I see, um, I see people like certain little features that just go a long way are, are things that like what you've done with like client side, um, you know, trying to take away some of the anxiety of even using a product. Um, just, it's just a, a really, some really smart decisions happen there. Like even with like draft, like the fact that it just does auto saving as you write is not something a lot of people are even used to when they're using other writing tools. And it was just like, I can't believe how many tweets have been out there that are like, oh my God, using draft like saved me because like my computer crashed while I was writing, but the yeah. thing is there. And it's just like, it's funny because like, that's one of those things. It's like, it wasn't that big of a deal. That wasn't like one of those crazy features to like imagine. They wouldn't ask for it. They wouldn't, right. wouldn't be like, is this on the list of things I want right. auto save? It just is not even in the, because it's not about auto saving. It's yeah. about not losing. It's like the feature should be called not losing your shit. <laughs> yeah. Auto saving text. Like auto yeah. saving doesn't mean anything. But what means something is when I lose my shit because my computer crashes, draft saved it for me. We had the same responses in Basecamp. So we, we auto save everything, all text in Basecamp. Um, or you know when you're writing a message or a comment or something and before we had that like years ago when we didn't have that when we added it people would say like it's a lifesaver you know save my ass and stuff because of this simple little thing autosave but again it's it's not about the saving it's about the alternative to saving which is losing all my shit that's where the real pain is yep yeah um i've also had another realization recently like i um it, this just even came from editing. I've, I've been a couple friends. I've been editing their their writing, and they they gave me some writing. And it was funny because like I ended up not like doing any. Um, I didn't do any. Uh, no no real changes to the writing. The writing was already good. All I did was like move stuff around, and it like made a really big impact on the pieces. And it was just really just like how the just organizing it differently the same material that basically the same kind of features of the of the post but it was just presented a little differently and i you know i think about like that with like client side like i feel like client side is this really nice feature in basecamp 3 and it's like there's nothing like there's no like mind-blowing artificial intelligence no. you know super google multi data center feature thing there that like people think they have to do to compete with everybody these days. It's just, you organized it differently. Like it's, you organize like it to make sure to, you know, you remove this anxiety by just moving things to the place it's supposed to be like yeah. away. You know, you've talked about like the, the front of the house, the back of the house, like it's just organizing it differently, how powerful that is. And that's not what a lot of people are thinking about when they're thinking about designing products. They're thinking about like having to outcompete the Googles and the Facebooks with 
artificial intelligence and real time whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think if if any this goes out to anybody who's working on any product, like if if there's one thing you can do to beat people in your industry, like if you're if you look at it as a competitive thing, I don't tend to look at business that way, but if you do. Um, Try and eliminate fear and anxiety from your customers' lives, like around like the work that you're doing. I mean, not like people being afraid of ghosts or something, but like whatever, whatever it is that you're building. Um, like think about what someone would be afraid of. Um, like in our world, uh, <clears throat> with the client side stuff in Basecamp three, we learned through interviews and, and insights from customers that like the biggest thing wasn't adding more features to Basecamp to work with your clients. It was separate clearly separating the stuff the clients can see from the stuff they can't see like that and the re and it's not even because it's a pri it wasn't a privacy it wasn't about permissions it was about i don't want the client to see something that we said about them by accident like i don't want them to stumble into something that i didn't know they were going to see because that could cost me a client like sometimes we talk about the client behind their back, like not in bad ways, but just in human ways. And sometimes we have work that's not ready to be shown yet. It's in progress. I don't want them to see that. And it's way too easy in most tools to stumble into something like that. So by drawing this clear separation, so the, technically it wasn't a difficult problem to solve. It was a realization that there's a ton of fear and anxiety. Um, fear and anxiety in the middle of, this mass of stuff that if I don't know what they can see and they can possibly see something I didn't want them to, I am nervous because now this tool could make me lose somebody, lose a customer or something like that. So anyway, it was, it was identifying that and then figuring out like a way to sit, to, to help reduce that. Um, not to like add a lot of new stuff. In fact, it was just to draw a line. So anyway, there's a couple questions. Should we jump in? Yeah. yeah. Three questions here. I'll take the top one here. <clears throat> curious what the design time to pro oh, let me pop this in here. Michael wants to know. Uh, curious what the design time to programming time ratio is for your companies these days. Um, ratio, I don't know. I mean, it always seems that things take longer to program than they do to design. For in my opinion, um, so like we'll we'll always try and lead with the design. So if we have a feature we're working on or something, we'll try and lead with screens, and that might take a few days to to a week or plus more just to kind of get the basics in there. And then we begin to hook it up, and that usually takes a lot more time. And then designers will jump in and and tweak some things as we go. But I always find I, I always think programming is. I mean, maybe because I'm a designer, I always think programming is harder than, than design, and it seems to take longer than design does. Um, as far as ratio of people, we have basically two to one for the most part. Two programmers to every designer. Actually, a little bit. Well, depending on how you count, two and a half to one or so. So in terms of staff. We have more programs than designers. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add to that. I mean, we, I mean, it all. If if it's about what is the the ratio, in, uh, of 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 how much we spend time. I mean, it all really depends. Like some things that we're doing require a little bit more thought before we start putting some code together. Um, but I also, I'm, I'm. I don't like spending a ton of time on imaginary stuff. Like I, so I, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, okay, let's put some ideas together and like, let's get it into beta. <laughs> let's, you know, um, 
so I don't know. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of like let's let's start using it immediately. I don't care how terrible it looks or what it does, as long as it tries to get like a job done. Um, so yeah, I'm like real. I, I don't like to spend a lot of upfront time on you know chewing over mockups and um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty. Let's get a design out the door as fast as possible. Kind of ratio. Yep. All right. Uh, these are both for me. I can. I'll take. I'll take this next one here really quick about watches and cars. Yeah. Like watches and cars. Well, um, I'll just be brief on this. But to me, watches and cars are are the two um, things that combine art, science, design, materials. Um, yeah, it's like it's the mixture. It's the it's the mixture of art, science, and design um, that that's the only thing I find that comes that, that, that like mixes those three things together. Um, and engineering and craft and all those, I guess all that stuff is embodied by these two different kinds of things. Um, and a watch is just a small version of a car, basically. Um, a mechanical watch at least. Uh, um, so anyway, that, that's it. It's just like, those, these are all the things I really like. I love design. I love, I love art. I love design. I love, uh, engineering. Um, I love product development. I love material sciences. I, I'm just fascinated by all these things and um, mechanical things and whatever. And those are the two things that that sort of are the embodiment of all those things in one place. So that's it. The other thing I'll say is that the other thing I've always been inspired by when it comes to watches and cars is that um, they both, I mean, take each category separately. So like, let's take a, a watch, for example. There's different things watches can do, but for the most part, like they tell the time. Let's just call them equal telling the time. Um, I find it fascinating that that all of them basically do the same exact thing, yet there can be thousands of different designs for those things. Because one thing I'm really sick of hearing is when people are like, you know, I'll see someone who will copy something in Basecamp, like another product will copy the design basically straight up. And I'll be like, what the fuck? They'll be like, well, there's only, it's a to-do list. How many ways can you make a to-do list? There's thousands of ways you can make a to-do list, man. <laughs> There's thousands of ways you can design a screen. There's no way in hell two things should look the same. Like it just shouldn't even happen. The only reason it happens is because things are being copied. There's way too many possibilities out there for things to look the same. And so I think what's cool about cars and watches, and even though they can look the same, is that there is so much variety in categories that are roughly doing the same thing. A car gets you from point A to point B. Yeah, I know that's extremely simplistic, but it has an engine, it has four wheels, it has a way to turn it, it has a way to sit in it. And I know there's way more to it than that, but for the most part, it is that. It's transportation, there's also emotion in the whole thing, but there's so many different ways to design that. It can be sheet metal, and it can be materials inside, leather versus vinyl versus shapes versus you know where the controls are, and all that stuff is really interesting to see all the different variations on the same theme. So anyway, those are the reasons I'm I'm into that stuff. Yeah, I um, I really uh, cars catch my eye because of like because of similar to what you said, like it's become such a commodity. I mean, it is. It's it's, it's like you're saying, like it it's been you know we've been driving these things for decades and decades. Um, so when when somebody's able to stand out and and create something new there, it's just really striking to me. Like it's just it's just really interesting to like pay attention to. Like I got an invite the other day to something Audi was doing. Um, Audi was having a, uh, bring your car in and we'll teach you how we inspect cars. And it was like, I've never seen that before. You know, usually, you know, 
people are like, you know, hey, bring your car in and, and we'll inspect your car. For, you have to pay us. But this was like a free thing. Like, we'll teach you how we do things in the back so that you have a new appreciation for like how to take care of your car and how we take care of your car. And it was just like, it was just a really interesting innovation. And, and all it was was just a simple email and a neat and a day they were having putting on for customers. But it was just, that was just, it's just neat because it was like, this isn't about even like, um, you know, what they're doing with the product as much as like, how do we, how do we stand out? You know, when everyone's selling how to get from point A to point B, like, how do we stand out? And it was just neat. It's a really neat, neat, neat thing to pay attention to. Yep. Cool. Um, all right. One more for me. It looks like I'll just answer this relatively quickly here. Um, <clears throat> I, I mentioned I want to do some client work <clears throat> again. Um, and by the way, one of the reasons I want to do that is because I want to use Basecamp more for client work. Base clients, people who do client work, Basecamp is like is huge for them, and I want to get close to that job again, so I understand fully what it's like again. Um, but as far as what I want to do, I want to do copywriting. So I want to, I want to, um, I want to take on a few gigs a year, helping people write uh, a page on their site or. Uh, explanation of what their product does or something like that that I would love to do it's a very straightforward thing it can be very tightly scoped and that's what I hope to do so sometime in 2016 I'll start making I'll make an announcement about that and I don't know how I'll word it I don't know, I mean I don't know how I'll set it up maybe it's more like a 37 Express thing where I used to do like a, I'll, I'll write rewrite a page for you up to 2,000 words in a week for three grand or something. It doesn't even matter what the money is. Um, and maybe I'll give you three revisions or something. I just want to take on some work that someone's paying me to do for them in a small scale, small scope, so I can use Basecamp for that. So um, anyway, that's the uh, that's what I want to do. So I don't want to get back into the design work stuff because um, it's more time consuming for me and um, it's less interesting for me, actually. I feel like I can have more impact on, with people on helping them write than helping them design something. So, um, anyway, although I might do app critiques or I, there, I don't know. There's a variety of things I could do. We'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah. <clears throat> um, by the way, for those who want to ask questions, over in the comments section, if you do a slash Q and then write your question, it'll be labeled as a question. And then we'll see it on this panel of questions, and then we can decide to answer that if we if we think we have a good answer for you. So, um, if you want to ask questions, slash Q, and then write up your question. We got another ten minutes or so to go. So yeah. In the meantime, I, I had earlier. Um, if if you've watched this show before, if you go to our YouTube channel, uh, it's it's youtube.com slash c slash work in progress show. Um, we talk a lot about things like um, you know like what what we've been doing with our products with with Basecamp or with Highrise. Um, just, you know, in the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about like all these design aesthetic changes we've been making. And I've been, very, you know, kind of stressed out about like these typography changes we, we, we were going to, to, to change. We wanted to go to a web font that we could control and so we could make high rise look the same on Macs and on Windows. Um, and I was very nervous about this. And we spent a bunch of time optimizing and making sure it was okay. And yeah, it, it, I sent Jason a tweet today. Someone had tweeted that uh, so, something to the effect of like they didn't it, it, they didn't like it at first, but now they they really like it or now they love it. It was just I don't know it was you know it was a an, it was an of course moment uh, for me like of course like people would have a reaction that like you know this this oh this is different, but then they get used to it and then it just becomes natural like really quick. Um, so yeah, that was good to hear. Yep. 
Um, let's see what I was going to say. Um, I was looking at these other questions. I know. Anything else you want to chat about? You want to take that one on or not really? I'll take, yeah, yeah. I can talk about Silicon Valley. I think I live out there. <laughs> yep. Uh, go ahead. Yep. So, so Zane, yeah, like I, you know, I, so I've done Y Combinator a couple of times. I did it in 2006, uh, the end of 2005, and then I did it in summer of 2011 again. And Y Combinator will encourage you. I mean, almost, it's, it's almost a requirement. Uh, I don't, there's very few exceptions to this rule that if you, you know, you do Y Combinator, you end up moving to Silicon Valley and living out there um, to kind of, you know, do this program. Um, and it's fine. You know, I think Y Combinator is a good thing. It's, you know, they take, you know, um, they're, they're, they take, they're, they're very benevolent uh, investors. You know, there's very little pressure on you to do certain things and they become just very good mentors if, if you want to grow your company, they, they obviously do encourage you to kind of usually to, to, to build a company that is raising more money and stuff. And if, if that's how you want to go, that's how you want to go. And I, but away from that argument and that discussion, like Silicon Valley is, is, is crazy. I mean, it's, it's expensive. You know, we took a little bit of this money. Like when we did Y Combinator the first time in 2005, when the investment was tiny, I forget it was, it was like $18,000. We spent like all of it just on rent for three months for three people. I mean, that's, everything is so expensive out there to live. And, and so people's salaries are insane too. Um, you know, if, if, if you're focused on just hiring people in Silicon Valley, which a lot of Silicon Valley companies are, you wouldn't really be there unless you were kind of obsessed with everybody having to be in Silicon Valley. Um, and so it's, it's just, a, it's, it's odd. And I, and I think, I think David brings it up in his, his recent kind of post about, um, you know, how crazy valuations in, in raising money has gotten. Um, but it's, it's, it, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, you don't have to go to Silicon Valley and raise your cost of living just to start a business. Um, and it's, yeah, I don't know. So I, I, and he brings up, he brings up a really good point of like, if, if there's all these companies in Silicon Valley, like disrupting everything, why can't they disrupt having to live in Silicon Valley to start these freaking companies? Um, and so I don't know, you know, it's like, it's, so those are some of the frustrations, I guess, with Silicon Valley. It's like, why does it have to be, why, why do we have to kind of go there to like, you know, meet some of the, the greatest engineers, um, but there's a reason, right? I guess, you know, there's, there's, there's people paying really smart people to hang out together. And when you go there, there's a lot of like-minded people starting businesses, but it's, it's so changed. I mean, Chicago has been a great place now to like start businesses and meet people. And as long as you aren't obsessed with having to like have everybody in the same room hiring remotely, like it's perfect. Like the only person who works in Chicago right now for hires is my wife. And she's sitting right there. Um, everyone else is like everywhere else in the country. And it's just a much better way of, of running something than having everybody have to live in Silicon Valley. Yeah. I think one of the advantages of Silicon Valley, of course, is, is, is like structurally, they, there's been a lot of companies that started there and then failed there or started there and succeeded there and people have left. So there's like this constant churn of people with a lot of different experiences. Um, so there's something about that. But at the same time, like you said, I mean, we're, we're mostly remote too. Um, you know, that happens all over the country and all over the world too. So people have all sorts of experiences. So like if you, if you consider hiring anyone around the world, um, then you're going to actually have a, a more access to a broader uh, collection of experiences anyway. So um, I think if you decide that you only want to hire people in one very specific place, 
and there are some advantages maybe to being there, but there, I think there's a lot of disadvantages too. all the things you've, you've said, plus there's a variety of other ones. Um, <clears throat> but if you're open to hiring people wherever and, and, and the world is full of great people, absolutely great people everywhere, um, then it doesn't really matter. Then you should just live where you like to live. And if you like to live in Northern California, I mean, that's a really beautiful place to live flat out. Like if you just want to live there, that makes a lot of sense too. Um, so anyway, but it's crazy. Did you see that article last week about the guy who works at Google who lives in a truck in the parking lot? <coughs> yeah, it's <laughs> to each their own, I guess. Not not how I would do it. <laughs> no, but but I feel like he's forced. He feels like he's forced to do that because if he wants to live in San Francisco, he'd all of his money would go to rent and he wouldn't yeah. have anything. But of course, like he's not forced to do anything. He's not right. Yeah, yeah. He could. He may just really love that, and that's cool. It's not for me, but like. You know, but yeah, it, it is kind of nuts. Yeah. Rents are nuts, but that's just the way it is. What are you gonna do, right? Rents are nuts in a lot of places. Um, yeah. So we have four minutes to go. Let's see if there's any other questions we can jump in on. Um, um, anything you want to take here, Nathan? This is interesting. Is there anything you guys feel is missing from the podcasting space, creation, or listening? Um, I don't know. I mean, we've been doing the show now. This is like our 55th show or 56th show or something. This was actually managing this show. It has been a little bit of a pain. Um, I go through this whole process of like, you know, we wanted to do you and me talking, showing work. And we, we use two tools now to have to do this blab and, 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 um, you know, Google hangouts yeah. and, and like everything ends up and we want to do video, but we also would like the audio component. So this, the real pain is like, Everything then, you know, we like it on YouTube. So Blab goes to YouTube, which is great. And, and obviously Hangouts goes to YouTube, which is great. But then, like, I want the audio. Well, I, I can't get the audio. I have to go to YouTube and get an MP4 file to host a podcast. I've got to go put that somewhere. So I go put it on SoundCloud. But SoundCloud doesn't convert it to a small MP3 file. So I have to go through another processing step to get an MP3. I got to then get that to SoundCloud. I got to go, like, set up SoundCloud to Apple and iTunes. It's there's a lot of steps that I really didn't want to have to do just to get an audio podcast together based on you and me talking um, using Google Hangouts or Blab. So I, that I feel like there's some gaps there. But yeah, I, I know that Josh Josh is working on something around podcasting. So um, I think another thing is just simply like having. I think this is some of what Josh might be working on is like just actually have. We don't have a site. We don't have a destination for our show. Um, to do that, you then have to set up another site or something you could even yeah. use squarespace or whatever like doesn't even matter but like you'd have to make a place and then if we were to publish every time we finished a blab or hangouts it goes to youtube but then like to have that video then probably posted back to the site you'd probably have to do something else yeah and Maybe i pondered it for like five minutes but then it was like i can't do any more management of this thing i had yeah. to stop somewhere yeah i mean um yeah there's there's a lot of little steps um to just to do that sort of thing so yeah, I think. By the way, I think Blab as a platform, even though this isn't a podcast, I don't even know what a podcast is. It's just just technically audio, but whatever. Um, as a as a uh, um, as a platform, it's actually really damn nice because you've got video, which is very reliable. Audio sounds great. People can ask questions. Um, so if you're doing like a call-in style show, this is perfect for that. Um, you can see the audience. People can like respond. They can comment. They can ask questions. We can answer questions. We can book questions up on the board. You know, there, there's some really, and then you can save it to YouTube later. I mean, there's some really nice stuff in this platform in general. 
Um, so I think that's that's pretty great. There's <clears throat> I don't sorry I don't consider this a podcast though, right? Like the the podcast step is actually a separate step, which is like exporting the audio only and putting it somewhere else. So I don't even know what this is. I just feel like we're talking, which is really what it's supposed to feel like. And we're just blabbing, right? We're just chatting, shooting the shit. Yeah. Audience. And that's feels very comfortable. When you start thinking about what is podcasting supposed to be or mean, that's when you start getting into this weird, like, well, what should it do and all this stuff. When really I'm just trying to communicate. And, and this platform actually is quite good, quite good at yep. that. Yep. Um so yeah, um, I don't know. Anything else you want to touch on today? No, like uh, J.R. Bond asked, what startups are you excited about today? I don't know. I don't really pay attention to like startups per se. There's certain things that keep get my attention though that are like, I guess, newish. I've been really liking Medium. Medium is like, I don't know how they're going to make money or what their plans are there. I assume they're going to start taking some kind of advertising or sponsorship, but the way they are able to get distribution on articles and how they've commanded like there's like a new form there's like a new love of like long form writing that i feel like had disappeared for a while and now all of a sudden medium is like kind of reinvigorating i'm i've been impressed by um you know the stuff that's going on there i mean i feel like it's it's given you guys a new audience too for the writing you guys have done right um yeah yeah it's it's um it's a comfortable place to write and to share and uh it just re you reach a different audience i think different people are paying attention to that venue basically um it's like going into a venue you know it's like it already has a built-in audience at some level right and and it can it can decide to promote different articles to its full audience um like i wrote something and it was number one on medium for a few days or a day or whatever which then led them to tweet it and their their twitter account has like one point something million people follow. so like i could have i wrote that on our own blog also but i didn't get, i had our own built-in audience but I didn't have the mediums audience. I just had our audience. So it's cool to have your audience plus mediums, uh, magnified, amplified audience as well. Um, if something takes off. So that's kind of, yeah, cool. exactly. So I, there's something exciting about watching that. There's a, there's a competition here. It looks like, of, oh. of likes. Oh, we got to quit, quit. No, 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 don't quit yet. <laughs> We're over 30 minutes. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, well, hey, thanks, everybody. Um, we answered that one, too, so I'll just close that. This is fun. Please, uh, again, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Can you grab a link to that really yeah, quick? Yeah, grabbing it right now. Yeah, um, and uh, pop that in the comments there. And uh, <clears throat> we post all these to YouTube after they're over. So if you want to check in on them later, tell someone who wasn't here to watch this one. Uh, just join our channel, subscribe to our channel. All the videos are there. Please link them up. Please spread the word. Let people know that uh, this show happens every day. We're going to be off next week, um, but we'll be back the week after, and uh, it's really fun. So thanks for the great questions. It's great to see a variety of questions coming in. Jimmy, I didn't get to your uh, question uh, about rework. Um, maybe ask it next time, and I'll, and I'll promise I'll get to that one. So cool. Thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend.